Hey guys, Cade Wilcox here, host of the Primitive Podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. This week we interview Calder Henderson, CEO and and, uh, one of the original founders of Aquasmart, based out of Lubbock, but really serving the entire country and and very likely very soon uh, internationally. Really enjoyed listening to Calder talk about his early experience, you know, as a 25-year-old entrepreneur and CEO and just hearing all the things he's learned over the last 10 years of his business journey. So hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us on the Primitive Podcast, and look forward to sharing many episodes with you in the near future. Calder, thanks so much for joining the Primitive Podcast. Really appreciate your time. You've, I've got some exciting things happening. I, I know you spend your time between Lubbock and Midland, Odessa, and so I'm looking forward to those who listen to the podcast getting to know a little bit about you. So, if if you're okay with it, why don't you start like kind of like where you're from and a bit about your background, and then kind of walk people through like what your what your business does and who you are and and uh, what your role is there. Yeah, Cade, thanks for having me, man. It's uh... Good to see you and uh, join you on the podcast today. And so uh, a little bit about myself. I grew up in Colorado, uh, born and raised there and, um, you know, grew up in a Christian home um, and uh, have three siblings. Parents are still there. Um, and if you ever meet me, I'm six, eight. So I'm a big guy. So sports was who I was growing up playing baseball, basketball, golf. Really, if there was a ball a part of it, that's who I was. And so my identity was really built around my athletic ability. And so, um, you know, grew up through middle school, high school, um, really just having that identity specifically in baseball and um, ended up getting hurt my junior year of high school. And uh, through that, ended up going to a junior college instead of kind of pursuing the D1 or getting drafted out of high school. But that was kind of the dream is to play baseball. And uh, anyways, ended up at a junior college in Colorado. Um, and I knew then God had a bigger plan than just baseball. Got to meet my wife there. Um, and we ended up being a part of a student leadership um, ministry there. And um, anyways, from there, I got married between my sophomore and junior year, so I was 21. Um, still had the heart to go play professional baseball. And uh, my wife was an ag major. And uh, if I didn't play baseball, I wanted to get uh, uh, basically in the ministry world. And so my degree was actually youth and family ministry uh, when I transferred uh, over to Lubbock Christian University. So that's what brought me to West Texas. Uh, was LCU was one of two schools that had agriculture, uh, ministry, and baseball. And okay. so <laughs> how I got to West Texas. And so anyways, uh, junior year, uh, again, the heart was to get drafted that year, and then my shoulder went out. And so I was, you know, pretty frustrated because, uh, again, that's who I was for 21 years of my life. But now I was married, and so I got to figure out how to support my wife. And yeah finished my degree there um, and then got into ministry, was on uh, intern staff with Campus Crusade at uh, Texas Tech University and then also as a youth pastor uh, for a couple of years at a church here in Lubbock. And um, I just loved people. I loved interacting with people. 
Um, I love getting to know people's stories and um, just seeing how I could help them um, just be a better them and love on them well. And through being at the church, I realized that there was an opportunity outside of the church in the marketplace to have impact and got to start playing a little more golf and uh, met a guy playing golf, uh, I guess in 2010. And uh, he was an older gentleman and you know, you spend time with guys that uh, are older, smarter, wiser, and you just start asking questions. And anyways, uh, built a relationship. And um, that was the beginning of uh, the creation of AquaSmart was something that he invented. And I saw some value in, but didn't know exactly what it was, but uh, ended up starting a company called AquaSmart in early 2011 uh, that started with one patent. And now fast forward uh, nine years, we have over 30 patents. And uh, what we do is basically we turn commodities into technology. So we take things like frac sand, fertilizer, seed, uh, and take different chemistries, coat them on the different commodities to ultimately create value around water optimization, uh, food security, energy security. Um, and so yeah, it's been a wild ride and there's a lot to unpack there, but that's kind of the overall uh, uh, backstory and uh, what I'm doing now. So CEO of AquaSmart uh, and we've got uh, those four different silos of oil and gas, uh, lawn and garden, agriculture and concrete. Cool. So is the, the one of the original or the original uh, developer of the initial technology you had, is he still involved in the business? Yeah, no. So we ended up... Um, buying the patent. So we put together a group of the, um, our initial investors that bought him out completely. And so our big dream was how to revolutionize sports fields um, around moisture management. So we had guys like the New York Yankees groundskeeper, the Rockies, the A's, uh, some industry experts that saw the technology and saw an opportunity. And uh, that kind of just blossomed into, okay, if we can take uh, things like sand and make it absorb water and slowly release it, then there's probably opportunity in other industries. And so that's how it got into the agriculture space and oil and gas space and concrete space. Um, so we ended up buying him completely out and just put together a team of people that has continued to innovate uh, around uh, really just why we exist is figuring out ways to create environments for people to thrive. That's cool. Do you have one of those segments that you you really excel in more than the other? Like it, you mentioned the four different kind of targets. Is, is there one that's really kind of blossomed more so than others for you? Or are they all pretty? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, we got into sports and then agriculture and then oil and gas has really been the forefront. The majority of our time and energy, uh, no pun intended, is spent <laughs> in the energy space. And so obviously in the last uh, five to 10 years in North America, Hydraulic fracking has become a, a very big industry. Uh, obviously, the last uh, 2020s taken a, a massive hit mm -hmm. uh, with COVID and energy prices. But um, yeah, the oil and gas space is a definitely front and center focus for us um, around just how do we unlock uh, energy, uh, lower break-evens costs. So in the Permian, for instance, you know how does operators or EMP companies make money at $30 a barrel or $25 a barrel and can we take our technology and help lower break-even cost? While at the same time, our R&D and technical teams, you know, looking at solving problems like food security. How do we grow food in the middle of the desert in Africa? And so we kind of balance uh, near-term, you know, fruit that's in front of us 
as well as long-term impact that we can generate with the technology we have. That's really cool. So you're, you're nine years, roughly nine years into this. Uh, how do you see your role as, as the leader of AquaSmart? Like when you think of leadership, when you think of your role within the company and the organization, what, what, what comes to mind? How do you view that? Yeah, so I would say it's, it's changed a lot. When you start as an entrepreneur, you kind of are everybody, <laughs> you know, you have your core team, but you're the, you're the CEO, the sales guy, the ops guy, the, you know, trying to figure out books and everything else. And as your company grows, you know, hiring the right team and people is, becomes essential. And so my uh, role uh, has evolved a lot over the last 10 years and specifically within the last year. Um, and so for me as CEO, um, I've really been convicted that, uh, uh, and is wise to really, you know, my job is to put the best possible team on the, on the field that I can and keep us focused uh, on the big vision, the mission, uh, and basically just keep uh, encouraging that core team of people towards that vision and the execution of that. And so uh, I kind of view myself as kind of the captain of the ship that says, hey, here's where the ship's heading. Here's why we're heading there uh, and putting together a team of people that are way smarter than me, um, you know, to uh, work in the ship, to help grow the ship, to take care of our people, to take care of our customers. And so as CEO of AquaSmart uh, 10 years ago from where we are today is a much different type of position, even though my title has been the same. Yeah. You mentioned vision. What what does it look like for for you as it relates to the vision? You know, vision in the future of the company. I mean, and 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 I think when when I ask that, I mean real practically. Like, you know, is there a specific way that you view vision and that you cultivate vision? I mean, do you disappear for a week out of the year? Do you spend time every week on it? Like, what does that look like um, for you as it relates to to vision? Yeah, so great question. So our executive team, there's five of us on the executive team. We just got away just recently because we made a strategic hire with the new president and CEO of AquaSmart, uh, who's a great guy. So our core team got together and just said, hey, why do we even exist? Why are we showing up every day in the morning? What's the purpose? What are we doing? What's our core values? And so I think with that came this uh, why we exist is to create environments for people to thrive. And so everything that we show up every day, every morning, we're looking at through the lens of, is our customers thriving? Is our vendors thriving? And is our own people thriving in uh, where we're heading? And so um, with that, then our core values of, of AquaSmart getting played out on our day-to-day -day basis. Um, and that's hard to do, you know, because especially as you're growing, uh, you get more and more people uh, instilling that in our team. So uh, one thing I really appreciated about uh, our new president CEO, he's really, really good at stuff like this um, to instill in our team and to, uh, including myself, like together we're coming in and saying, all right, how do we really build a culture and ethos uh, around uh, this vision and mission of where AquaSmart is heading? And so uh, it starts with a team and then kind of where we're going. We'd love to uh, continue to grow our oil and gas and domestic lawn and garden agriculture and concrete space. Uh, we'd love to be uh, in the, the Middle East, Africa, 
uh, figuring out how to unlock energy as well as food security and infrastructure. And we're in the middle of those conversations. But I think for us, it's, uh, you know, what's right in front of us, the 30 day, 60 day, 90 day executing on that while then not forgetting kind of the five year plan. Yeah. Yeah, that's that tension of being a leader, isn't it? It's kind of like being responsible for the here and now, but never losing sight of the future. And and uh, it seems like sometimes leaders can tend to want to do one or the other more. They want to live in the future or they just want to live in the here and now. And so that it's an interesting dynamic to have to live in the both. Being able to zoom in and zoom out is essential for any leader, I think. And um, you have to create space to be able to zoom in and zoom out. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going through... Uh, kind of the everyday chaos, I'll call it. Uh, it's really hard to zoom in and zoom out just because you're you're reactive versus active. And I'm, you know, definitely a culprit of that. You know, many many years, especially being an entrepreneur and a growth company, uh, it's hard to do both really well. But that is that tension that all of us face. Yeah, that's really good. Let's talk a little bit about failure. How how have you treated failure in the last nine years of of leading the organization? Um, and again, feel free to be, you know, as practical and pragmatic as you can. Yeah. So I think failure is very, failure is a perspective and everyone's going to fail. I mean, we fail every day. You know, I, I've probably did something today, even with my kids that I'm like, ah, that probably wasn't the wisest thing in the world (laughs) or my wife or, you know, Hey, I I didn't go for my run this morning because I didn't, you know, I hit snooze on my alarm Um, or big failures. Like, Hey, I made a big bet on a business decision and it didn't go as, as planned. Um, And so I I think failure is all about what are you going to do with whatever it is that just happened um, and facing reality of that failure. So what is it? What's the core of it? Um, and then are you just going to let it bulldoze you or are you actually going to do something about it and learn from it? And so I think for me, as I've grown as a leader, um, I think failure is something that is always there on a daily basis. Be aware of it. Ask yourself the tough questions. Face reality of what is that's not working. And then, you know, how do you change it? And what do you need to do from a habit standpoint on a daily basis, or depending on what the failure is, uh, how do you change it? And so um, I would say, you know, how I treat failure is an opportunity to grow and to do better um, and not uh, anything other than that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, how do you approach your own personal growth? You know, you, you talk a little bit about the leader's responsibility to zoom in and zoom out and to create space, you know, for vision and not getting too consumed with the here and now. Um, I, I wonder how, how you would feel similar to your own personal growth. Like, how do you prioritize your own personal growth as a leader? Um, and what does that prioritization look like um, as you kind of fend off the, you know, the here and now and the, and the very natural things that come with managing and leading a business? Yeah, another great question. Um, so I think for me, one thing that I've really done, especially as a young entrepreneur, you know, I started AquaSmart when I was 25. And I just wanted to sit at the feet of people and men and women um, that have been 20 years ahead of me or 30 years ahead of me. And if you spend much time around me, everyone just says, man, you ask a lot of questions. And uh, I do because I'm like, hey, you you've got 30 years more experience from me. So what can I learn in the next hour from you 
Um, so for me, as I, you know, have my own personal growth is putting myself around other people that I want to become more like. Um, and in that though, for me, because of my relationship with Jesus and being a believer, spending time in God's word, uh, has been huge on my own personal growth of what is truth. Um, who did Jesus spend time with? You know, how did he live his life as a leader? How did the disciples, uh, you know, interact as leading uh, a church? And so for me, um, it's been really spending a lot of time with people, asking questions, uh, getting in the word of God and just saying, where's truth? Um, and I think that's where my inspiration has come from is, you know, when everything's said and done, there's not a whole lot that lasts besides uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. So we've been given businesses, we've been given family, kids, everything else. And when everything's said and done, regardless if you have a cool product that makes oil and gas better or food security, uh, what relationships have been impacted in and through that lens of uh, the business or opportunity you've been given. That's really good. You, uh, you into reading podcasts? Like, are there, are there other yeah. things that you kind of lean into for some personal growth? Yeah. I listen to your podcast all the time. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, no, I, uh, so yeah, I love, uh, you know, I've got a, probably a book every two weeks that I'm going through. Um, and so I've always heard my father-in-law says, uh, leaders are readers. Uh, it's so true. I mean, here's the thing is you get some smartest minds in the world putting their thoughts down, uh, whether it's a podcast or in a book and you can capture that in a book. And so, uh, definitely uh, go through all sorts of different books, uh, podcasts. Craig Rochelle has a great leadership podcast that I listen to. Uh, Story Brand Guys uh, have a great podcast. Uh, and uh, I'm in all sorts of different books um, from personal leadership to, you know, scaling businesses to um, theology. And so uh, I definitely find that my personal growth comes from uh, just learning from others. Hmm, that's good. How do you balance, you know, uh, how do you balance life? <laughs> how do you balance work? How do you balance travel? You've got young kids and, yep. um, you know, you, you've got your family, you, you've got, um, you know, your spiritual life. Like, how do you, how do you, one, how do you balance all that? What's your approach? And then two, when you're not balancing it well, what are those kind of triggers for you that help you see and understand like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out of balance here. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a awesome question. And so important, especially in today's society, you know, we're on this performance treadmill that it's hard to get off. So this idea of balance, um, I haven't been good at, to be honest, you know, when I started Aqua smart, uh, I felt like everything was urgent. And so when everything's urgent, nothing's urgent and it just yeah. you know, kind of piles up. And yeah. so for me, um, balancing uh, really what's most important. So starting with my relationship with the Lord, uh, to my wife, to my kids, then my business. And so by no means do I have uh, this figured out. I think it's a daily for me just constantly figuring out what rhythms do I best function under. Um, on the emotional, physical, spiritual, mental aspect, and how do I become the best me? Um, and then looking at my priorities of saying, hey, have I spent the time that I need to with my wife today? Mm-hmm. Have I given her 30 minutes of my undivided attention to focus in on how her heart is? Or you know, how my six-year-old's 
day was in kindergarten and what did he learn today? And did I play Legos with him? Um, and so I think for me, um, technology is great, but it's also a curse because yeah. it's always connected to you. So this has definitely been as a leader, one of the hardest things is how do I, uh, as a man and as a leader, um, balance these rhythms and, um, you know, I, I've gotten better at it, but I definitely am not where I want to be either. Um, and I think that goes back to what I said earlier. I think when everything's said and done, we're probably not going to say, man, I really wish I put 60 hours in that one week. Um, but I think that, you know, six pound bass that you caught with your six year old and saw his face light up. Uh, those are moments you're never going to forget. And I think, um, that's the reminder for me just to, to step back and make sure that I'm being intentional with my friends, my family, um, and really spending time with what matters. And God's given us our company for a reason. Uh, and I put a ton of effort into that and steward that well. Uh, but it also can take, you know, take over your life if you don't, you know, aren't careful um, with that kind of performance treadmill and just pursuing the American dream. Yeah, no, that's all. That's all really good. I, I think it's uh, one of the most challenging aspects of leading is how to balance aspiration and responsibility, responsibility to our faith, responsibility to our family, responsibility to our friends, and balancing those responsibilities and those very good things, those most important things with aspiration. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, that answer. And and uh, I wish there was like a formula. <laughs> you know? It's like, hey, you do X, Y, Z, and it all works out perfect. <laughs> right. I just read a book that was really, it was really good. And it was basically, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact title, but relentless pursuit of unhurry kind of thing where you just slow down. What does Sabbath look like? What does rest look like? What, like, are you even hearing the birds chirping in the day? Are you seeing the beauty of around you? Um, and just slowing down, you know, especially with COVID right now. Uh, I heard a stat the other day that in 2019, it was like 7% of society had anxiety issues. And this year, it's like 36%. And so all of a sudden, with this uncertainty of what this COVID is, and how people are interacting with each other, and um, it just makes you pause and just say, hey, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I being intentional? Do I have rhythms that are being impactful. Uh, but it all starts, you know, I think with yourself and your spouse and your kids and at the home. And if that's not in order, then you're going to see the impacts of that in the office yeah. uh, or in church or wherever else. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you, you mentioned that you love to spend time with people, you know, 15, 20 years ahead of you, ask a lot of questions. I wonder, uh, you know, one or two people that have been super influential in your life and, and some of the things that really jump out to you that you've learned from them. Like, can you, can you identify a few of those people? But even more importantly, what are some things that really jump out to you that, that you've learned from, from asking them questions and from being, you know, around them and spending good time with them? Yeah, no, that's another great, great question. There's so many people that have um, come alongside me in my journey. Um, over the last, specifically the last 10 years for my wife and I, and I pull nuggets kind of just from different people, depending on what I'm talking to them about. So we have couples that are very, 
um, kind of business minded entrepreneurs that have kids and just say, Hey, how do you grow a business and have six kids? And we only have two. Um, but I think, uh, as I talk with all the different types of families we spend time with, I think the consensus that everyone has communicated is, um, life's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, learn how to Sabbath really well, figure out how to turn off um, and root yourself really with truth of uh, scripture, you know, being a follower of Jesus, scripture is um, where truth exists and the Holy Spirit's alive. And um, I think for us, it's been relying not on yourself, but of him um, and, you know, he'll direct your paths. And so I think, uh, as we've spent time with those people, uh, it's kind of been rooted in that within a, a heart of generosity. You know, if you're going to build up an organization that has wealth, uh, what are you going to do with the wealth? And I think that's been another thing that a lot of families have encouraged us with that have uh, significant wealth is uh, the generosity behind it. Are you going to uh, give back and create more value for those that, you know, maybe don't have um, food or don't have shelter or have water or even no, um, uh, you know, disease and so forth. And so I think those are things as we spend time with people, the generous heart and uh, uh, being rooted in uh, intentionality, Sabbath, uh, et cetera, have been some pivotal conversations that I've had that need to continue to have and just trusting um, and not just staying on that performance treadmill to do everything on my own. No, that's good. Last question for you. What, uh, if you could go back 10 years ago, right when you were starting AquaSmart and talk to the 25 year old Calder, what are, what are some of the things, you know, knowing what you know now, what, what would you tell him and, and what, what would you tell him to maybe do differently than, than, uh, yeah, what you did again, based on your wisdom now? Yeah. So I think the, what I would tell the early Calder is um, kind of like what I just said, it, this is not going to be a sprint. It's a marathon um, because I went out of the gates super strong and fast and hard and have been on that journey for a while. And it really was about six years ago that when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease that uh, it forced me to stop and pause because I physically had to. And so it's funny how God brings things like COVID or Lyme disease or events in life that make you just pause and say, okay, uh, why am I doing this? And so I would just tell that young Calder, slow down, uh, make sure you're giving yourself enough space to know where, uh, where you're heading, why you're heading there. Uh, make sure you pay attention to what's really most important. Um, and not everything is urgent uh, and uh, you don't have to control uh, circumstances. Uh, you need to show up every day and give it your 110%. And um, I think also from a business side, you know, build a team of people that are way smarter than you, uh, realize where your weaknesses are and be okay with those weaknesses. Not that you're, not going to work on them, but allow other people to thrive in areas that you just don't need to thrive. So I think for me, that's been 
where I'm heading towards is what am I personally really good at uh, as a CEO? How do I live in what God's gifted me at? Um, and then how do I put together team members that are really good at the other aspects of a business um, to allow our company to thrive? Yeah, it's really good. Have you enjoyed building a team? It sounds like that's been a kind of a, a journey you've been on the last few years. Um, has that been really rewarding? Yeah, it has been. Um, you know, hiring and bringing a team members on just to see how they are skilled uh, and how everyone's so different. Um, you know, I think that's one unique thing uh, about bringing on team members is empowering uh, the others. You know, you look at big movements and it's never just been one person. It's always been a person that looks at three and then looks at 12 and then says, how do we dive into them? And then multiplication happens. And so I think that's been exciting for me that I don't need to be all things to all people, but how do I really invest in a few people that are awesome at what they do? And luckily, you know, our executive team is really uh, great at what they do with excellence uh, from our chief technology officer to our new president COO, to our commercial officer, to finance team. Uh, we really have put together a team of people that can then steward what we have. Cause there's a lot of great products that just sit on the shelf. Mm. Um, but it's the people that uh, really differentiate any company. Yeah, that's really good. We have, we have similar trajectories. I mean, a little bit, I mean, we, we started our company nine years ago, this coming October. And um, I think the early days were like really similar to what you're saying, just sprinting and kind of white knuckling it and just kind of like by sheer force of will, just making things happen. Yep. And certainly, you know, there was a lot to be learned and a lot of really great things. But over the last couple of years, we've actually built out a leadership team. It's really the first time we've, we've really kind of succeeded, you know, because you have people the right people in the right place doing the right work. Yep. And um, yeah, it's, it's really remarkable. Probably the richest experience I've ever had in my life, you know, just, yeah. just having people that are so much more gifted and right for that role than, than, than you are, even though you thought you were good at it, you really weren't in hindsight. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's by far the most rewarding thing I've ever, ever got to, to participate. Yep. And I think that's for young entrepreneurs like us that are in our thirties, you know, I think that's uh, something we're going to continue to learn is that building that team of people and allowing other peoples to thrive, uh, I think is, is so rewarding and to be able to love on them and ask questions. And then, you know, what can we do for, the, you know, our teams to help them do their jobs better? Yeah. So that's really the, the lens of, you know, at this transition of AquaSmart and growth, growth phase, um, how do we you know, put the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins talks about, um, you know, what seats are left that need, you know, people in them. And then, um, you know, how do we rearrange the bus so we can go as far as possible. And so the whole saying of, if you want to go, uh, if you want to go, uh, fast, um, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we're sitting back and slowing the brakes down a little bit to make sure we have the right team in place. And then for us, the strategy of growing domestically and then internationally to create value uh, in the markets we're in is, is uh, kind of the, the vision we're heading towards. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, man, I'm really proud of you. I, it's, it's really hard uh, to, to, to build a company. 
and uh, you're doing it. And so um, I hope sometimes you have time to reflect on, yeah, the real value of that and, and what you've accomplished with God's grace and a lot of people's help. And so really appreciate you being on the podcast and thanks for, for, for giving up your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Kay. Appreciate it, man.